Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the book of Judges with chapter 19. And in this chapter and the following chapters, we read what is probably the most difficult to read and most awful and painful sections in the entire Tanakh. And I just want to point out that um, the similarities between the descent into immorality and injustice and murderous and idolatrous and um, um, lustful behavior that we find and, and violent behavior that we find in this upcoming several chapters is very comparable to what we find the description in the Torah when the Torah describes the um, immorality and violence that was rampant in Sodom, in Sodom, before Sodom was destroyed back in early Genesis days. Um, and it's not for no reason that these comparisons can be drawn. And but if we remember what we just read about was the story of of the Pesel, of the idol of Micah, and the murderousness of the um, tribe of Dan, and how they wiped out an innocent uh, group of people, um, and how they completely neglected and misunderstood their mission on this world as uh, of ethical monotheism, the mission of, of worshiping God through living a moral and just life. What we're going to read about here. In chapter 19 is a further descent into something even worse. And, uh, and it's important for us to know that this is here for a reason. This is here so that when we look back at our origins as a Jewish people or as people in general, we look back and see the descent to immorality that it's possible for us, for our ancestors. It, it, it's important for us to not be so proud uh, you know, to humble ourselves, to recognize just how bad it can get if we're not careful and if we don't make sure to create a just society. That, that And the lesson being that the Torah, when lived the way it's supposed to be lived, will lead to a just, kind, empathetic society, the kind of society that was described in the books of Isaiah, the books of Amos, uh, the books of Micah, the, 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 the latter prophets who talked about uh, peace in the world and justice and kindness and so on, but without the proper leadership, this is what what without the, the people getting together and living the way they should, this is what we can end up with. This is how far and how bad it can get. So as painful as it is, it's still an important part of Torah for us to learn. So here goes. It was in those days. This is verse one. Umelach ein Israel. There was no king in Israel. Again, it reminds us that the the reason for the descent uh, into such immorality was because there was no proper leadership. Unfortunately, we find later that even once there was a king, then this, at many times the king becomes corrupt and leads the people into. So it's not. So in the beginning, it seems like not having a king was the problem. But as we go off farther on in the Bible and history, we find out that a king isn't necessarily the answer to the problem either. And the answer to the problem is for the people, for everyone, to turn back to God. But at this point, um, it seems that it's 
the lack of a king. So Vayhi Ish Levi, there was a man, a Levite, a Levi, Garbiar Kisehar Ephraim, who was living in the um, edges of the uh, mountainous region of Ephraim. So a lot of action seems to happen in Ephraim. As we know, the land of Ephraim was the uh, alternate major tribe to um, to Judah. And uh, uh, remember that the Levite who was the, um, who was the priest at Micah's idol that we just read about in the last two chapters <coughs> was also in the land of Ephraim. Vayikach lo isha pilegesh, and he took for himself a wife as a woman as a concubine mi Beit Lechem Yehuda from Bethlehem, which was in Judah. Now, um, a concubine is this is we already get the sense of problem number one. So he took one of his uh, fellow uh, uh, Israelite women as a concubine, which is a wife that is not really a full wife, and she's um, already uh, in those days living a uh, more subservient status and um and for whatever reason she um or her family more accurately more likely agreed to have her uh, be a pilegish a concubine to this other man vatizna love pilagcho and his this this language vatizna of zenut uh, often refers to uh, the con- uh, the concubine um uh rebelled by uh by a, an adulterous relationship, but of here it doesn't seem to mean that. But tisna alav pilagsho, which means she turned away from him, she left him, she left his his house. Um, uh, so uh, you know, um, so whether it means that she actually had an affair with someone else, or it means that she just left his house, which it the second uh, interpretation seems more likely based on the context. But the choice of words would lead one to believe that she actually um, uh, cheated on him, so to speak. So she left from him and went to her father's house, El Beit Lechem Yehuda, to Bethlehem in Judah. And she remained there for a while, for about four months. So um, uh, the context here, it seems that either either she had an affair and therefore left, um, uh, or she just left because she wanted to go back home. By Yakamisha and her her husband uh, got up and went out to get her. Ledaber Aliba to talk, speak to her heart, Lahashiva to bring her back. In other words, to appease her and to um and to try to make up whatever fight there was between them. He went to make up. Vinaaroimo he had with him his his assistant. Vitzemet Chamorim and a group of donkeys. Avia, and um, she brought him in. She allowed him into his father's house. She welcomed him, her husband, into her father's home. And the uh, the girl's father saw him and was happy to greet him. And um, and he apparently everyone the family wanted to uh, be at peace. They wanted to uh, put this behind them, so to speak. <laughs> And go back to uh, normal life. Vayachazek bochos noavihanara, and the um, his um, the the girl's father, his father-in-law, uh, encouraged him or pushed him or or um, not pushed him literally, but uh, uh, um, uh, pressed him. You know, vayeshavito shlosh He said he wanted him to stay, stay with us. 
They stayed with him for three days, Vayochul, and they ate Vayishtu, and they drank Vayalinusham, and they slept there at the father-in-law's home. It was on the fourth day, and they wake up in the morning, and uh, he gets up to go, all right, now it's time to go back home. So the, the father-in-law said to his son-in-law, no, stay, eat some more, ha- have some, some bread, and leave later. And they sat and they ate again this more and they drank. Why don't you um, stay, agree to stay and sleep over again and, and, and you'll, have a, you'll have a good time. You know, we're enjoying this time together. Everyone's happy. Just stick around. Don't go home yet. Uh, it seemed the relationship between the, the father and the son-in-law seems to be very... Um, a uh, very congenial, nice relationship. Uh, we're not hearing anything from the girl herself, but that's kind of typical for the times. Presumably, uh, one seems to get the impression that she doesn't really want to go, that um, maybe because of the way she'll be treated. And, and, and as we see in later in the story, we can get some hints of this. But and uh, maybe the father's plan here is to somehow try to figure out a way to... to um, to um, keep his daughter with him because he knows that his daughter is not being treated well. Um, and as we see, like I said, as we see that from the way he treats the concubine later, we, we get a hint that he might not be the best husband in the world, which might have been the reason why she left. Um, so the, the father-in-law here is trying to figure out a, a, maybe some kind of a way to stop this from happening. But on the surface, at least, everything seems all friendly and nice. Vayakam ha'ish and then uh, the guy gets up, to, he, he got up to go, but his father-in-law really uh, pushed him and bothered him. Uh, you know, he really encouraged him and, and, and urged him. So he said, fine, fine, fine. He came back. And then on the fifth day, he gets up to go. And he said again, why don't you eat some more of his and wait until... Um, uh, and, and they ended up waiting until the, the, the day started turning towards night, so until afternoon. And they ate together again. So again, he tried to encourage him to stay. All of this encouragement to stay, number one, is important because it explains why they left um, in the middle or north towards the end of the day, uh, which is going to be important for the storyline. But it also gives us the impression that the relationship between husband and wife, in this case concubine, was not exactly 100%, which is problem number one. We have a marriage in which most likely she was uh, suffering some form of abuse, which was the reason why she went back to her father's house in the first place. Um, uh, this isn't detailed, but this is kind of seems like an underlying theme here that's important to the story. So finally, I'm at verse 9. The guy gets up to go. He and his concubine, Vinaro, and his assistant, and his father-in-law, the, the girl's father, says to him, um, Look, the day, it's going to be evening time soon. Uh, please stay again. Sleep tonight. Uh, you know, it, it's... it's um, uh, the the day is 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 going away. Linpo, stay again. Vayitav levavcha, 
and uh, and and then you, you'll be you'll have, be happy. You'll have a good time. And tomorrow, you, in the morning, you can get up early and and go travel home. But this was enough already. He didn't want to stay this time. He needed. He wanted to go. And he gets up and he goes. And he started traveling towards the town of Yevus, which is the same town which uh, is as Jerusalem as we know this at this time in history the city of Jerusalem was called Yavus or Jebus and it was still inhabited by Jebusites um, it wasn't until the time of King David that it was conquered from the Jebusites <laughs> with him he had his donkeys that were loaded up with his things plus his concubine with him and uh, they set off towards Jerusalem from Bethlehem. Haim im Yavus, and the walk from, the travel from Jerusalem to Bethlehem is not that long, maybe a couple of hours by donkey. And when they were approaching Yavus, v'hayom rad ma'od, and it was getting dark, it was near the end of the day, v'hayom ra'anar al-adonav, and the assistant says to his master, l'chanav v'nasura el ir ha'yavus yazos v'nalinbo, let's go, and turn in, and turn into this this Jebusite city, and let's sleep there. Um, you know we need a place to stay the night, so let's stay there. And his master said to him, "Lo nasur nachri." Let's not go to this city of foreigners, of 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 of, of, uh, of people that shalomi bnei Israel heina that are not people of Israel. Let's keep traveling until we get to the town of Giva. <laughs> now, um, Giva, which is in the uh, tribe of Benjaminite uh, territory. So they did not, the irony of this all is, is that had they went to the town of the Nachrim, the town of the non-Israelites, who knows, maybe they would have had a peaceful night's sleep. But... What because uh, but they did not want to go to the foreigners' town. They wanted to go to the town of their fellow Israelites, presumably uh, assuming that they would get better treatment. And they ended up with what's about to happen. And so he says to his assistant, uh, "Let us um, uh, keep going. Let us go, and and we'll get soon close to one of the other cities." Vilanu, and we can sleep by Giva, either in the city of Giva over Rama or in the city of Rama, both of which are close by, and, and we can keep traveling and get there before it's nighttime. Vayavru, Vayelechu. So they passed the city of Jerusalem and they kept on going. Eventually, the sun was going down. When they were near the town of Giva, Asher Lebinyamin, which was in Benjaminite territory. So they turned into the town of Giva. Lavo lalun bagiva to stay in sleep in <coughs> the town of Giva. Vayavo vayeshev berchovayir, and he went and he sat down in the main town square, assuming that hopefully someone would come by and say, "Hey, why don't you stay with us tonight?" Ve'ein ishma asefo sama baisalolon, but no one was welcoming him them into their house to sleep. Here you are, I have a couple of people of Israel who are uh, a Levite, no less. Um, Obviously, they need a place to stay. It's getting dark. And no one is interested in inviting them in. So this is, so we, we problem number two or possibly three. Problem one, 
they had a bad relationship, she left. There's an issue with, with marital relationships. Problem number two, they weren't friendly with their, their Jebusite neighbors. Problem number three, no one's willing to bring in guests. No one is acting hospitably as people should, especially to their brethren. Verse 16, There was an older man who was coming from his work out in the fields at night. He was coming back late. As everyone else was almost home, there's one guy coming in really late. It happened to be a person who was from the mountainous region of Ephraim. However, even though he was an Ephraim person, he lived in the town of Giva. Even though the people of the place were Benjaminites. So he was a bit of a foreigner himself. And you'll understand the parallels even more as we go through the story. But if you remember in Sodom, uh, when they were visited by the three um, angels, the three messengers of God, uh, Lot was a foreigner in Sodom, and they stayed by Lot. So the local people were very inhospitable, but it was a, it was someone who was from a different tribe who happened to live there. He was the one who came by, by Isa Enav, and he raised his eyes, and he saw the man who was the guest, the potential guest who was waiting in that city square, and the elderly man said, Where are you going? Where are you from? Hey, what's going on? Where are you from? What's going on? What's with you? So he answered him, We are traveling from Bethlehem and Judah. We're traveling to the edges of the Ephraim hill territory. Because that's where I'm from. I'm from Ephraim. And I traveled all the way to Bethlehem and Judah. And I am uh, um, on my way to the to the uh, house of God. I'm going to make a stop at Shiloh, which is where the tabernacle was at the time. Remember, it was not yet in Jerusalem. At this time, it was still in Shiloh. Uh, so I'm on my way to pray at the temple. But no one is letting me in. No one is putting me up. I have no place to stay as a guest. Now this is the first we hear of his intention to go to the temple, to the tabernacle. Um, uh, it's, it's possible he said this uh, simply because he wanted to sound good. And he he, he want, make it more likely that someone would take him in. Or it's possible that he really was planning on going. That's, that's unclear. But either way, that's what he says. Vigam teven, gam mispo, yesh we have we have food for the donkeys, so you don't even need to feed us, right? Vigam lechem ayayin yeshli, I have bread, I have wine, we got food, ulah masacha, and we can. Uh, uh, and and for your maidservant, in other words, I can I can feed you, and I can feed you know we even so you don't have to worry about feeding us. And I have food for my assistant, my servant, together with your servants. I can even give you guys food. We're not lacking anything, so I'm not asking for anything, just a place to stay. So so the elderly man said, "Shalom, lach, peace be upon you." Rak kol However, let me. I'll take care of all your issues. Don't worry. You don't need to eat your food or drink your wine. I'll I'll supply you. Rak I really don't want you to sleep. Do not sleep out here in the street. <laughs> it's dangerous. <laughs> um, it's not comfortable. Come into my home. So he brought him into his house. 
Vayovol lachamorim, and he um, gave uh, a, a, f- a feed to the donkeys. He made f- food. Vayovol meaning he mixed up the food for the donkeys. He, he made feed. Vayichatzu aglam, and he washed off the people's feet, the travelers' feet. Vayochlu, and they ate together. Vayishtu, and they drank together, and so on. So he had a place to stay. While they are are um, enjoying themselves, the people of the town, people who were um, uh, 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 ruffians, people of no morals, people, um, uh, thugs, um, Violent people, they surrounded the home, and they were banging on the door, with a pay, gives the sound, of they were pounding on the door, and they called out to the man, the, 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 the owner of the house, the elderly owner of the house, send out the man, that came to your house, and let us uh, know him, meaning let us rape him. Um, this is very, very similar to the story that occurred in Sodom, and it's not uh, uh, coincidental that that's the case. Clearly, it's intentional. Um, uh, the the story, the parallel of the two stories, is is being uh, played out for us for a reason to say just how bad when we use Sodom as the example of the ultimate evil, um, as, as the ultimate moral depravity. Now we see here the same thing. Now this man, this elderly man, who so far seems like a nice guy, <laughs> um, soon it starts to get a little, um, a little questionable. Similar to Lot, who seemed like a nice guy, and then started to get a little questionable because it follows. The man, the owner of the house, goes out to talk to these 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 thugs. And he said to them, "Al achai al No, my bro- my brothers, don't don't do something bad. This man came to my home; he's my guest. Leave him alone. Don't do this disgusting thing. So far, so good. However, verse twenty-four: Here is my daughter, who is a virgin, and here is his concubine. Go and rape them. I'll bring them out to you." Do to them whatever you want. But don't do anything bad to this guy. One one cringes with the horror of a person who can make a statement like this and give his daughter over to something like that. Um, obviously, the times then were different than now, but this is there's still it still um, makes one shake with horror, and um, uh, <coughs> there's no. There's no way to twist this, and and the verses are deliberately doing this to us, making sure we realize just how awful this is. And this is the level to which the people sank. That it's okay to do something like this to these uh, innocent women, and um, and uh, and uh, that that's the point. To to just demonstrate to us just how bad things had gotten below the people did not want to listen to him um, and eventually the man grabbed his concubine in other words the guest because of all the tumult 
he grabbed his his concubine, and this makes us remember um, uh, what what the hint that before it was just hints, and now it seems obvious that he clearly um, was mistreating his wife or his concubine. He grabbed her by and he shoved her outside and threw her outside to the men. and they raped her by and the entire night they they um, abused her until the morning and then they sent her away when the morning came. Um and uh um the woman came, uh, walked towards the door as the morning was coming, and she fell at the door of the man's house, where her master was staying, until the light came. So it, as the uh, morning was coming, she dragged herself to the doorpost, and the door wasn't even open. They didn't even let her in. She just plop, uh, fell down on the floor um, completely uh uh, abused, beaten, exhausted, raped repeatedly by Yakum Baboker, and her master gets up in the morning after he had a good night's sleep in the house. And he opens the doors of the house. And he went to go on his road. It's just the impression that verse is giving you is the impression of incredible callousness. He went to go on this trip. All right, last night, okay, she got raped. Now let's go. And there, when he opens the door, he finds his 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 wife, his concubine, who had fallen at the doorpost, and her hand was on the the threshold, and like as if she was trying to get in but couldn't, and and was got completely exhausted and completely collapsed. He said, Come, let's go. Uh, it, it's impossible to play this in any good way at all. But she didn't answer. So he picked her up, threw her on the donkey like she was some kind of load. And the man gets up and he starts going on his trip. All right. When he finally gets home, he takes uh, an, a knife. Um, uh, uh, when he now he know he sees that she's obviously dead. and he holds his and he cuts up her body, into twelve parts. and he sends those twelve parts throughout all of the boundaries of Israel. He sends one piece of her body to every uh, one of the twelve tribes. And everyone who saw this body part, and he said, Never has such a thing and happened, never has such a thing been seen. This is so awful. From the day that the people of Israel left Egypt until today. We need to think about this. Let us, let us meet, let us talk about what to do about this terrible event. So the horror of what had occurred dawned upon the people, which is maybe the tiniest, tiniest little uh, sliver of uh, silver lining in the cloud. However, so uh, that the, that among one of the tribes of Israel, in this case the tribe of Benjamin, that they could have sunk to this low level. But remember, 
the people, the other tribes themselves, were not exactly uh, not exactly super righteous. Um, this uh, the the reaction that they're going to have, and we're going to read when we study the next chapters together, is not exactly perfect to say the least. Um, but at least they were horrified by by, and they recognized that that this that this that the, the, the level of morality had sunk to a point where something needed to be done. However, the decision as to what they decided to do was not, not exactly uh, the most perfect decision, but that we will study. I, I know this was an extremely difficult chapter to read, uh, and this entire story, the saga, um, it, as we continue, will not get that much better, but, but um, it's important for us to recognize just how low people can sink, um, and and what how important it is for us to have a just and kind society so that we don't get worse and worse things start in one place they start with the with an idol of Micah they start with uh, murdering innocent people and war and 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 they end in in a place where something like this I, I mean all of this is just bad it's just really bad. Anyway, thank you so much for studying chapter 19 together. Looking forward to studying chapter 20 and the rest of this book of Judges together.